leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Hey, security peeps. We are back with another edition, a special edition of Breaking Into Cybersecurity. Tonight's edition is the Breaking Into Cybersecurity and Federal Career Connection Partnership. And I am Renee Brown-Small, cybersecurity super recruiter, demystifying cybersecurity careers for the month of October. Ex ecstatic to be here with Chris Westbrook. Say hi to everybody, Chris. Hello. Good to be here. Yes. Super excited to have you here, Chris. Um, Chris is a retired CIA agent. She will go into a lot of details about what she's done. She's done hiring in the space, knows a lot about the intelligence community, um, and is just a wealth of information when it comes to understanding what the intelligence community looks for, the CIA looks for. And Chris is going to kick us off tonight by sharing some information and then we will jump into all the questions that you have. But before we get started, I just want to shout out a handful of people. We always have people show up. Uh, Alex Harrington is our first <laughs> comment for tonight. Mm -hmm. Hi, Alex. Looking forward to tonight's special edition. Alex is over at FCC. And then Reginald. Hi, Reginald. Reginald has been doing um, some awesome stuff. I know that he has applied to opportunities and things are looking good. So it's very exciting right. to see the guests that keep coming and getting this information and then apply to opportunities and, you know, either get them or get really close. So they keep in touch with us and let us know. So, Chris, I'm going to hand it over to you and let you, you know, kick it off and get started. Thank you, Renee. And thank you to all of you taking time on a weeknight to join us. Um, I'm thrilled to be here. I spent over 30 years in the Central Intelligence Agency, came in there just a little after college, a couple of years on Capitol Hill that convinced me I was not political enough to be on the Hill. So my mother had been in CIA in the 50s, and I always had an interest in international affairs. So I applied and um, served almost 20 years there as an analyst and manager of analysts looking at um, political developments around the world, political and weapons related. Um, and then I was supposed to be on just a short detail to our recruitment center hiring analysts. And that was shortly before September 11th, 2001. So when that happened, I went into high gear and I stayed in CIA's recruitment center for an unprecedented nine years, eventually moving up to be our hiring chief for all the analysts in the Central Intelligence Agency. So I'm pleased to say that I hired um, what is now the, the current generation of analysts and managers of analysts at CIA. Um, 
I then decided I probably should help train some of the many people I hired. So in the last decade I was at CIA, I did a lot of leadership and management training, as well as returning to management in um, our internal university. My last position was as deputy director of CIA's foreign language school, not as big as Foreign Service Institute, but um, pretty powerful. And then two years ago, I retired from the government and I have since been working in the talent development space, doing career counseling um, and also continuing to do leadership and management training. Um, I can talk to you about a career as an intelligence analyst in particular, um, and we hire people with a computer um, background to do that as analysts. I can talk fairly intelligently about other career tracks in CIA for folks with your kind of background and also the broader intelligence community. Um, I am a member of the Federal Career Connection, so I can handle some larger federal hiring questions as well and just talk about how you manage a career in the federal government. So thank you again to all of you for your attention. Renee has told me you are a super interactive group with lots of questions. So I'm just gonna stop there and see where you take us. Chris, that's such a fascinating career and background. I mean, I know you shared with me beforehand a little bit about it, but I didn't know your mom was in the CIA too. Yeah. Wow, cool. And yeah. The and there's a lot of um, CIA employees who are really CIA families, multiple generations who jo join the organization because it is such a great mission. Um, wow. And, and it does have a certain family atmosphere, a little bit like the military, but not quite as regimented, which is nice. Unbelievable. That's so, so cool. Okay. So Andre says here, thank you for putting this on. And hey, looking great, Chris. Good to see you, Renee. Have fun. I'm, I'm wondering <laughs> if that, <laughs> I'm wondering who that is. I don't know if that's Crystal or Julie. I'm, I'm not sure. It just says LinkedIn user, but I feel like it's somebody from FCC. So, um, Chris, we don't have any questions from this group yet. Um, so I am going to kick it off with some of the ones that we had gotten when I initially made your post, mm -hmm. created the post um, a few days ago, because we had quite a few questions that came through there. Um, let's see. There are some questions. Patrick at the time. Oh, it's Julie. He says hi. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, Julie says, hi. Hi, Julie. And then um, Reginald says, wow, Chris, leading from the front. Yeah, Chris, I mean, you're, what a, what a career. Goodness. Yeah, um, it's been a great one. I've learned so a lot. Young. Aww, <laughs> you God don't even look you. retired. <laughs> well, that's one of the benefits of working for the federal government is that you can retire with full benefits um, in CIA if you're overseas at age 50. If you have five years of overseas service, you can retire at age 50 and then start a whole nother professional life. Wow. Actually, that's a great way to kick off our first question. Uh, Patrick Moten had asked, is there an age limit? There is not. Um, 
there used to be a formal age limit of say 35 for those folks serving in some positions overseas for our clandestine service, the Directorate of Operations. There is no longer a formal age limit. Um, employees, especially for the clandestine service though, go through some rigorous medical and security um, clearances. So you do need to be healthy and able to, to serve overseas under a variety of conditions. Okay, perfect. And Patrick, actually, he just showed up. So Patrick, we just asked your question <laughs> about the age limit. Your first, your question was the first one. Is there an age limit? Um, so Ron asks, what are some questions that I should expect when trying to get a job at CIA in cybersecurity? Well, um, like every other employer, the first questions are all job uh, experience, career re related. It's only after you get a job offer from CIA that you go through the medical and security clearance process. So for the actual screening and then interviews, you're going to be asked questions um, typical to any employer. Why do you wanna work for us? For that, I would say, um, you want to be very specific that you understand CIA's mission because you, as you can imagine, we get a lot of people who apply because, ooh, CIA, it seems cool, right? Um, so having a good knowledge of our mission and how you can apply your skills with us. Um, our cyber folks, as well as all of our people, almost always are working in a team environment. So we look very carefully at your technical credentials and background, but also interpersonal skills, critical thinking, um, flexibility, judgment, especially given the fact that in many uh, jobs you are traveling frequently overseas or living overseas. And we invest a lot of autonomy and responsibility into our officers. So we look pretty closely at the personal qualities and character, as well as your actual professional and technical credentials. That's great. That's good to know. How long are the tours typically, if you have a detail, when if a person comes in and they get hired, mm -hmm. um, and they how, how often are they overseas? Do they go and come back? Is there a, a time limit for each? Yeah, tour good questions. Yeah, if you're hired into our directorate of operations, um, in an operations officer or another field position, you are overseas about 75% of your career for tours that run usually about three to four years. Um, if you are in other positions based in headquarters, you could be traveling frequently for um, sometimes, you know, a week or two or sometimes an extended tour of, of three months. Um, so that really depends. Generally, our tours in a job are, are about three to four years, whether you're at headquarters or overseas. Um, some parts of the organization actually require you to move around every three to four years because they want to keep fresh blood. And they also want to have um, everyone have opportunities for some of the more desirable assignments and not have someone kind of homesteading in that assignment that attractive assignment, say in Paris, you know, for, for years. Awesome. When your mom was in, um, when your mom worked, did she travel like that too? And were you with her? Well, this was before she was married. 
Um, she was only there for a couple of years. She was stationed actually on what is now um, the the ref reflecting pool area of, of downtown Washington. After World War II, there were a number of temporary office buildings built there. And she worked for a while right there in downtown Washington. And then at one point she was working in a covert location. And she used to tell me about how she had to get off the trolley at different stops and make her way to her office so that others weren't following her. Um, and, you know, it's like a, movie. a woman of the 50s, she um, left when she married my father and then relocated for him and his career. Yep. Understood. Yeah. Andre says most federal jobs require a clearance. Advice on how to apply without one? Well, for federal jobs, you do not need a, a clearance already. Um, if you are found competitive and meeting all the job requirements, you're given a conditional offer and then you're then you're put through the security clearance process. Um, defense contractors, government contractors often will post jobs saying you must already have a, a security clearance. But that's another nice thing about the federal government. We clear you after we've made you a job offer. Um, and if all works out, you know, you come on board after the clearance process. If we run into some issues, the job office offer is, con is called conditional because we can take it back if we run into any roadblocks with your medical and security clearances. And typically, how long does it take from like offer stage to when you're actually cleared? Well, it depends on the level of clearance. For CIA and um, I think many of the other intelligence agencies, although I wouldn't vouch for it, we hire all of our employees uh, with a top secret sensitive compartmented information level clearance, which is the highest level clearance you can get. And that requires a background investigation um, and a polygraph and a very extensive screening process where we do financial checks and checks with agencies and um, for criminal records, et cetera. So that can take um, months. The, the, org, the U.S. government is trying to get down to about three or four months. Um, I think generally for CIA, it's been taking six to nine to 12 months. The factors that come into play are if you've done a lot of foreign travel or you've lived overseas a lot in your career, if you work with a lot of non-U.S. citizens, um, if you've had many different jobs and just even moved around domestically, it can take us a while to validate all the aspects of your life and career just to make sure that you are who you you say you are. So that's been that's been an issue. Um, I always tell people don't quit your day job when you get a conditional offer from any agency, really. Mm -hmm. that requires a security clearance because it will be some months until you can come on board. The good news is, though, that when you get your security clearance, it's good for a, a good length of time. So most agencies will give you some months to finish up your current job obligations, to move if you need to relocate to Washington. 
So there is some flexibility at the end of the hiring and onboarding process since we can't tell you today when we make you an offer when you're going to pop out of that process. Right. So um, Reginald wants to know what things disqualify people, what things disqualify that people wouldn't think about that could stop you from getting cleared? Um, well, for CIA, a full scope polygraph and investigation means that we are looking into um, counterintelligence concerns where you might um, make, you know, making sure your loyalty is first and foremost to the U.S. government. Um, so we'll look into security and loyalty issues. We will also be looking into some lifestyle is issues because what we want is someone who is um, sound and can be trusted with a position of sensitivity and with classified information. So we look at you financially, emotionally, mentally, physically, professionally. Um, and if we see any current continuing issue of concern, that's where we will stop and, you know, talk to you further and do a little more, bit more in investigation. Um, we understand, though, I say we, you know, after 30 some years, it's hard not to say we, um, but I am talking just personally, right? I'm not representing the, the CIA or the government in this. Um, where was I? Oh, so we look at the whole person. Um, and what we want to see is not that you've been perfect all your life, but if you've had issues, you've overcome them. Uh, for example, if you've had a lot of credit card debt, um, you now have a repayment plan and you've been paying creditors back on a regular basis. Um, if you've had issues with substance abuse, you stopped using, you know, you've been in a rehabilitation program. Um, you've proved that you are now stable and um, reasonably expect to be in the future. So things have loosened up a lot over the generations as I think CIA and the other agencies have recognized that they could be missing some of the best talent out there if they don't take a more holistic look at um, someone's suitability for a security clearance. Right. And I was in on adjudications of security cases um, when I was in the recruitment center. So I say that with, with all sincerity um, that it is a very sophisticated look at you and at everything, both what you can bring to the organization and to, in this case, CIA's mission, um, and what issues have to be resolved to our satisfaction. Can you share how many people typically get turned down or what percentage of people get turned down after they get an offer and then they just don't get clearances? I don't know that. Um, I don't even think I knew that when I was back working in the organization. I would say, though, that all of our different career paths have a process that includes um, applicants getting a full briefing by a security officer who does talk about the whole clearance process and what you can expect. Um, so you have a chance even to ask you know, private questions about, well, I had this or that issue. What do you think? 
Um, generally, the guidance is if you've had, if you've used drugs, if you've had um, some kind of medical issue or financial or other issue that has really disrupted your life, that you take care of that and have about a year, you know, of, the, of stability after whatever that bump in the road was. And then after a year, um, you know, that's then any employer would probably say this is someone who is uh, suitable for employment. So interesting. Reginald says, wow, eye opening. And I'm, I'm sitting. Good. Here I hope this is helpful. <laughs> it's absolutely. Um, help. I mean, I'm learning a ton. Half of these questions. I'm like, I'm curious. Yeah. About the CIA in particular has a very intrusive uh, application process right up front. When you first apply online for a job, they ask you a lot of questions about your personal life, your professional life, um, and your to determine your general suitability. And part of that is to discourage those who are, who are only sort of superficially interested mm -hmm. in, in the job and the work. Um, so that screens out a lot of people right away because you can tell from the questionnaire what kinds of issues will be of concern. Um, and um, a big part of that, you know, you can, you can find the standard form 86 on, um, on the internet, and that is the actual formal application for a security clearance. Um, CIA goes beyond that, but that gives you a general sense mm -hmm. of what, what you need to be prepared to provide. Um, it's intrusive. It's uncomfortable. It is necessary, though, for the kind of work you do. And I'm here to tell you, I don't regret anything about that career. It made the the investigation and the reinvestigations, um, the reporting requirements all worthwhile. Patrick wants to know where he can apply. He's ready. <laughs> There's no age limit. He asked about the age limit. <laughs> um, well, let me tell you a little bit more then about uh, CIA. If you go to CIA.gov, they have a whole careers section. And in addition to having a listing of all their jobs, um, they categorize them into our major areas, um, which are operations overseas, um, analysis, which is stationed in Washington, doing research and analysis, briefing and writing um, assessments for policymakers. You can travel a lot overseas, occasionally be posted overseas. Um, we have a directorate of science and technology where a lot of you could be interested. Uh, most of those positions are in DC, but some can involve a lot of travel, especially if you're involved in the IT infrastructure of our operations around the world. Um, and then uh, we have a very robust security profession. Uh, and a big element of that now these days is cybersecurity and IT security. And so that is a specialty field within security that we hire people with a technical background. Um, the careers part of CIA.gov has a job fit tool. Uh, it's a little questionnaire that you can go through and it asks you questions like, where would you like to work? Um, what kind of skills or, or uh, credentials would you like to use? And it kind of walks you through. And at the end of that, it spits out a number of job postings for you to look at. And I did that 
as if I were a cyber professional, you know, mm -hmm. before coming on tonight. And I kept it pretty broad. You know, I said variety of IT or cyber or information management jobs. And they spit out, let me find it, 20 different jobs. Wow. From cyber threat analysis to um, cyber exploitation officer, targeting officer, field IT technician. Um, now, do these roles need, do you have to have a certain level of education and experience for a number of these positions? Or um, do you hire people straight from high school? Like what kind of, yeah. what kind of education do you need for? And I know it's probably different depending on the roles. It is different. We hire into, or the CIA hires into probably 85 or 90 different specific occupations. Um, Generally, they require a bachelor's degree, and then for some technical jobs, certifications will help. However, I can personally say that where we have found people, especially in um, the technical area that have compelling skills and experience, there are processes where we've even waived um, an undergraduate degree to get someone on board who was highly skilled. But generally, it's requiring, we're requiring an undergraduate degree. Okay. Um, and we hire people at all levels. We have student co-op positions for uh, folks in college. We have graduate internships if you're getting, you know, a master's in engineering. Um, and then everything from entry level up to, um, I would say, expert. We don't hire a lot straight into management. We, we tend to prefer to grow our own managers. Um, but we hire at all experience levels and especially for the, the technical jobs. That's awesome. And um, you can see why. I mean, it's a dynamic field and you want to have the private sector um, and other knowledge cycling into a federal agency to keep Absolutely. us on the cutting edge. Absolutely. So Cedric says, I've been working for the government for a while and my clearances took a long mm. time, but it's worth it. Good. It is. And Good. I, you know what I want to ask too, and I'm glad Cedric brought this up because I was going to ask, do people tend to move around from agency to agency? So if you're in the, you know, if you're in the NSA, for example, do you, mm -hmm. do, do you get applicants that way often? We do. Um, I say this not based on my own opinion, but based on all the applicants that I work with, that I think CIA is pretty much considered the top of the pile when it comes to the intelligence agencies. So we frequently hired people from NSA or Defense Intelligence Agency um, or other intel agencies. One of the challenges though was making sure, especially for analytic positions, right? Um, that people were able to be flexible and learn to serve a different kind of consumer um, if we were hiring people from the military in particular, where they have a, a very regimented and PowerPoint-filled way of communicating. Um, and, and so we do, like with any applicant, we do a lot of questioning about um, how much they know about our agency versus theirs and 
um, appreciate the difference and want to make the change. So, and, go ahead. And, and I was just going to say, and we partner all the time with the different agencies in the intelligence community. Uh, I found that when I was an analyst, when I was in training, when I was um, managing our language school. And that often means too, that you can do say a two-year detail on loan to another agency in the intelligence community. We have a formal process for doing that as well. So over a career, you could end up working overseas as well as Washington, going on detail to a different agency, um, being pulled into an interagency task force if some kind of crisis comes up. Um, I was on a interagency Balkan task force after the breakup of the former Yugoslavia. Um, and that was a great experience and worked with people from a variety of different agencies, um, both intelligence and policymakers and sent our analysts overseas to support war fighters on the ground. Fantastic. So I think this might have been Julie again. Chris, can you expound, expound upon your experience in navigating the hiring and promotion process? How did you prepare for interviews and navigate the process? Maybe it's not Julie. <laughs> Maybe it's someone else. Well, um, for the intelligence agencies, it's important to note that they are accepted agencies um, as opposed to civil service agencies, accepted spelled E-X-C-E-P-T. And that means um, they don't have to follow OPM um, personnel regulations and they don't have to hire through USA Jobs. And though some agencies, intel agencies post on USA Jobs, generally it's best to go directly to CIA or NSA or another agency's website and apply there. Um, so that's the first tip. Um, and then it's, I think it's really pretty much like um, other application processes. You know, you're screened oftentimes on the telephone first, and then you, you're invited for interviews. Depending upon the organization, um, for the Directorate of Operations jobs overseas, they bring you in for a full day of briefings about the job, as well as um, starting an interview process so that you really understand and what the kind of career they offer. Um, and after one or more interviews, you're then made that conditional job offer. Um, there is an agency referral process. If you know an employee, they can put in a word for you. Um, I don't think that's really necessary though, to be considered if you meet, meet the, the position's requirements. Um, the CIA recruiters uh, pretty, are pretty good about looking at the whole field of people who apply for a given position. And then there's actually a lot of sort of trading that goes on within the organization where someone might apply for an analyst position and we say, oh, well, this really meets your need in operations. So why don't you consider the person? If you don't find a fit, you know, send her back to us, that kind of thing. Um, so, I think the interviewing process, as I mentioned earlier, the only thing that would make that distinct from any other interviewing process is really knowing as much as you can know about CIA's mission. 
um, on CIA's website, there's a ton of um, resources recommended for further reading and understanding CIA, its role in the national security and foreign policy process, um, and what different career paths there are in CIA. That's awesome. Very, very interesting. And what are some tips to help have help you have a resume stand out, a federal resume? I think the key thing is being able to show that you have used the skills required in the job posting and had impact. And the more impact you have or the more types of impact, you know, on different customers or on different products of, of your company, the better. And the more complexity you can show in those um, star accomplishments. Um, and are you, if your readers aren't or your listeners aren't under, aren't familiar with STAR, that is an acronym for probably the best way to describe your accomplishments in a resume or an interview. And that is to briefly outline the situation, the task you were given, the actions you did, and what the result results were or the impact. Um, so having really strong um, complex and highly impactful examples in your resume of your accomplishments to me is what makes someone stand out. I was listening to another recruiter give her workshop a couple months ago and she said she estimated she she only spends an average of six seconds on a resume and she only generally looks at about the top third would you say that, Renee? And then if you see something, you'll go further. I would agree. I, yeah. We had, with the, the, the group of people that are coming on tomorrow, one of the ladies, she talked about um, having these longer resumes. And I know in the federal government, so uh, my focus has been most of my career in the private sector. Um, but I know in the federal government, the resume process is different. Yes. Um, in the private sector, two pages max. So even if you have 30 years experience, you got to fit it into two pages. My, my recommendation or what I've heard and seen over the years, two pages max. And if it's under five years experience, one page. Yeah. Um, she was, you know, making a comment about having more than two pages. So we kind of went back and forth. You know, I, to, I, I shared my experience. Um, but you know, to to that young lady's point, that recruiter, I don't know if it's a man or woman, to the person's point, that first third is just so important, showing the impact, showing the um, the results, yeah. quant quantifying as much as you can, yes. anything that you can quantify if you manage a thousand people, if you save the company $400,000, you know, if you, the percentages, um, the bringing in projects in under budget and, you know, within under time, under budget, how much time you saved, how much money you saved, anything that can be quantified is so very important. Yes. Um, and yes, you know, that first, first third of the resume. And a lot of times I, what I see people do, and again, this is not for federal, so I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole, but I see people put 
first and foremost, the name is huge, which mm -hmm. I, I know you love yourself, but we don't need your name to take up like the first half of the page. So the name is huge. And then they tend to, especially our, my tech folks, a lot of certifications and a lot of like, you know, jargon. And I know they're using keywords, but um, it really doesn't help much because then I just kind of jump all the way past that. I want to see what you're actually doing in what I call the meat of the resume, which starts at your first, the first um, set of experiences. Yes. Yes. I would say a federal resume is similar, although the key difference is length. Um, mm -hmm. For someone who is experienced, say with five or more years of experience, it's not unusual to have a five-page federal resume. Um, and your federal resume is your application, right, mm -hmm. to a particular job posting. Um, and they are so long because you need to have um, at least one bullet um, for each requirement, required qualification. Um, so if you have one of those examples of how you've demonstrated and with what impact every single required qualification, you know, it starts to add up. So what I tell people is to think of a federal resume in a modular way um, where you're developing a federal resume that has um, examples of every skill you've demonstrated with impact and then you just pull the ones that are relevant for the particular job you are applying for. You know, if you're applying for um, a cybersecurity officer at CIA, it's going to be a slightly different set of skills they're looking for than for, um, you know, a network engineer. Some will be the same, but some will be different. So just have a very lengthy set of your um, that summarize your duties and accomplishments and then pull from them for each federal resume. Um, some agencies have an automatic scoring and ranking system. Some do not. Ultimately, though, there will be an HR person, as you mentioned, Renee, or recruiter who's looking at your resume. So um, I, I think it's important to try to use jet, more general language you know, keep the jargon maybe for listing your certifications, but put your actual work accomplishments in general enough language that a non-technical recruiter, HR officer, or even manager, hiring manager, could appreciate what you did and the impact. Right. Oh, really, really good points. Um, Jay wants to know, Jay says, hello, great talk. After using, thank you, Jay. After using the job fit uh -huh. tool, 10 or 12 different roles were returned. My question mm. is, is there one general application or must each role be applied to separately? Excellent question. Uh, for CIA, you can apply for up to three different jobs with a single application. Um, so I would recommend looking at all those 10 or 12 and coming up with your top three um, that seem most fitted to both what you'd like to do, but from the recruiter standpoint, what you are already experienced in doing. Um, and those three, if you look at them, should have some similarity between them, right? Um, you wouldn't necessarily apply for public affairs officer and 
um, security information officer and, you know, finance officer, right? So they could be in different parts of the, the agency, but all um, generally in, in your field. So three at a time is, is, a, is our limit currently at CIA. Um, I should say that the Director of National Intelligence, which is sort of the umbrella group for the whole intelligence community, they also have a job fit tool on their site, um, which I think is intelligencecareers.gov. Um, and there, if you use their job fit tool, um, I did that and I came up with about four pages of different jobs wow. in National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, National Security Agency, um, Defense Intelligence Agency. So um, check out their, their webpage too. I like what you talked about having um, a modular type of resume. I'm going back a question. Yeah. Um, and having almost like a working document mm -hmm. that you a master copy, like yeah. a master right and then went for for the particular roles like literally just copying and putting them in almost like building blocks mm -hmm. um for each position so i, I i'm gonna take that tip <laughs> i think that tip is useful just overall yeah uh, we had another young man come on and he talked about something very similar where it wasn't it wasn't as um when you say modular, it really made me think of like my kids' Legos, like, you know, taking little mm -hmm. blocks and building them. Um, but he says something very similar, like taking a work, having a running working document mm -hmm. and really kind of dumping everything in all your experiences, everything that you've done. And then as you're building your resume, looking at the job description, like, oh, I did that. I did that. And you know that mm -hmm. it's there. Um, and you can easily pull from it versus having to rethink it every single time. So yes. I think that's just, a, it, it was a really good visual for me, the the, um, the modular component. It's cool. Yeah. Um, another question. Are most hires current feds or do you hire a lot from the private sector? Oh, we hire from all over. Um, private sector, military, nonprofits, a um, little bit of everything. And in the computer field, more generally, um, I think it's probably more private sector because mm. you know that's where a lot of the cutting edge work is done. Depending on the job type too, we hire from academia, um, especially for the analytical roles or from think tanks, um, that kind of thing. Okay, good to know. Uh, Belroop wants to know, does the NSA and CIA have job fairs and what is the best way to find out? Well, in the pre-COVID period, um, we did have some job fairs. We were tending, when I was there, to, to emphasize it less and less and turn people um, more to our websites for the online applications. Um, so, I think some of the organizations are having some virtual job fairs. Um, it's worth checking out. I mean, a lot of private companies are doing that now. Mm -hmm. um, it's, we used to do a lot of college recruiting 
and um, as an alum, you know, you could, per, you can, you're always welcome, I think, at most colleges and universities to still use their career services and attend their career fairs. Right. Um, occasionally, we did local government ones in the D.C. area. I remember um, us doing one for, I think it was Prince George's County. So mm -hmm. hopefully those will come back post-COVID. Yeah. Um, and the, the director of national intelligence often would get together an interagency team and then they would have a DNI or an intelligence community um, presence at different job fairs. That way, that's ideal, really, because you can talk to representatives from different agencies and do right. a comparison. Right. Right there. Just yeah. Okay. Buddy. Romesburg, I'm going back to our prior uh, group of questions, said, what criteria do they examine during the background checks and psychological assessments? Well, as I mentioned, it's really your stability, um, financial, emotional, mental, physical. Um, we do a full background investigation, looking at every place that you've lived in and worked over the last 10 years. We look at extensively at your foreign travel and your associations with, your continuing associations, professional or social, with non-US citizens. Um, we do credit checks and uh, checks for court records or criminal records. Um, there is also a national agency check process by which, um, any federal agency can ask other federal agencies if they have any records on you. So if you served in the military, mm -hmm. we'd be able to get that information or if you worked in another federal agency. So it's, it's a really broad look at someone for, yeah. for the clearance process. Um, Would you say that uh, veterans or people who worked, who have been in the military, is their process usually simpler or easier um, or faster? And I say that because the, the cybersecurity community tends to mm -hmm. um, a lot of veterans and we want to do as much as we can to help you know, sure. get people into opportunities. I think it, the biggest factor that can have a difference is if you've had a previous security clearance. Um, because then what we will do is uh, start the background investigation from where that one left off. Um, so we can shorten the process a little bit. Um, and it, it just generally shows that you have been clearable in the past, mm -hmm. right? Um, but unfortunately, you know, we do start at the beginning at CIA and I think the other agencies as well. So they will they will get all those different records and then work to update them. Right. So Ciara with Witty wanted to know, what are the key disciplines that you all are typically looking for? Oh, gosh. Um, That's probably pretty broad. <laughs> it is. I mean, in the analytical field, we hire about 12 different kinds of analysts. Um, economic, political, military, um, science, technology, and weapons, counter-terrorist, counter-intelligence. Um, for folks in your area, I would think the science, technology, and weapons uh, analyst. And um, 
I believe there's now some actual, let me see, I'm looking at, there's an actual cyber threat analyst job posting. Um, it all, all depends on how you want to do your work. You know, if you, if you have an interest in cyber from some perspective and you like to research and write um, and you have strong written and oral communication skills, that means an analyst track probably. If you like a really dynamic job, you'd like to live overseas for most of your life, you'd like to use your technical background, but also gain other skills to actually recruit uh, spies for the US, that's operations and that's overseas. Um, many of our cyber people also have strong foreign languages and that can open up other opportunities. So I really do recommend the, the job fit tool as a starting point. Otherwise, you, you could be overwhelmed. I mean, CIA is like, like any global company in that we have all the sort of support and administrative and technical infrastructure people um, that any global organization would, um, logistics, um, contract and acquisitions, procurement, security. Um, and then we have the, you know, sort of the pointy end of the spear, the analysts and the operations officers, and then our S&T folks who um, build the technical collection systems that we deploy to collect intelligence as well. Um, so if many of you, if you have an engineering background, um, you can be using that to help build some of the systems that we use to clandestinely collect information or, um, or communicate. Um, and generally, though, you're not going to do bench engineering with CIA. You're going to be managing contractors who build our products for us. So I try to tell technical people who are coming into our directorate of science and technology, you need to be comfortable with being like one step removed from the bench, right? You have to have all the technical qualifications because you need to be able to oversee and supervise a contractor and make sure that what they're providing meets our specifications. Renee, I'm not hearing you. I'm sorry. I'm okay. okay. Patrick says, and I'm nodding. Patrick says, thank you, Chris. Very eye-opening and information-filled. Thank you, dialogue. Patrick. I hope this is helpful. Patrick, I think he's, oh, it's beyond helpful. I mean, I'm fascinated myself. I, I'm asking a lot of questions. If I was in a different space in my life, I might be putting in an application myself. It just seems so fascinating what you do. I mean, I, it's like, I'm, I feel like I'm in a movie, like asking you these questions Aww. that you're telling us. So, Let me, uh, before we go any further, I do want to say anyone from tonight who wants to link in with me, I am on LinkedIn as Chris Westbrook. Just please, when you send me an invitation, do send me a message that this is where we connected, right? Because I don't, I don't connect with every Tom, Dick and Harry, you know, mm -hmm. we have to have had some interaction and then I'm happy to connect and address anything in follow-up that I could be helpful in. 
That's fantastic. And do you still, I know you also, you know what I want you to share? Um, how you work at Federal Career Connection, because I want everyone here that's mm. interested, um, you know, people tend to, uh, you know, they connect with me and I talk a lot about the private sector um, and we bring on as many people. And the, and the reason why Federal Career Connection has been so amazing, especially for me, is because you all have the expertise. I do not have the expertise in this space. Um, I've a little bit, a teeny bit of expertise in um, government contracting, but mm-hmm. actually getting into the federal government is not my area of expertise. So anytime sure. you all come, I'm kind of, I'm hosting, but I'm I'm also I'm also like a guest, like asking my own questions because it's all very fascinating to me. So share with us what you do at Federal Career Connection. Give it, you know these folks that may not necessarily know much about Federal Career Connection. Share um, who you are, what you do, sure, and um, how they can find how they can can link to you and connect with you there so they can connect with you on LinkedIn, but then Federal Career Connection has its own page um, as well as um, a yes. website. So go for it. Right before that, I will say, Jay says, extremely helpful and motivating as well. I agree. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> totally agree. Totally agree. Okay. Take it away, Chris. Sure. Uh, Federal Career Connection has a website, federalcareerconnection.com and a LinkedIn page, where basically, um, except for me, all the other volunteers are active U.S. government, um, generally managers who've had many years in different parts of the government. And we work as a team to help um, get good people into government jobs. And so we put on a series of workshops. We just finished our last workshop for this year was on October We'll start again probably in February. And this past year, I was a director of our curriculum and um, made sure that the quality of our workshops was complete and hewed to a plan we had where in February, we start with exploring federal careers, and then we gradually go through the whole federal hiring application um, job offer process so that by October, um, we close with a workshop on managing your federal career and what career movement and development can look like over a career in, in federal government. Um, we also offer group consultation, what we call office hours. Um, and that is a Zoom type session where we have you able to work in smaller groups with either hiring managers like me or HR officers um, or uh, folks who give you tips on your federal resume, which is, I think, really a valued service that FCC provides. And we also have a blog that our our, um, chief, Alex Harrington, mostly writes, and it is full of different resources for applying for federal jobs. So I think federalcareerconnection.com should be the next place all of you go after this podcast if you're interested in in federal jobs. I would agree. I say go right there. Go there now. Go there right afterwards. Sign up. Uh, The Federal Career Connections team and I are doing these uh, the last Wednesday of every month. 
I believe that's it, right? The fourth Wednesday uh -huh. <laughs> of every month um, at 7 p.m. So we'll have various people. So Chris was our guest, is our guest tonight. We've had Alex Harrington. He was on um, last month with Julie. And then Julie had been on a couple times. So this is our fourth one. Um, and it's very, very exciting to have experts in federal hiring come on, share their expertise, share all their experience with you all so that you can get these awesome federal jobs that are out there. Um, yeah, please. Um, one further factoid. Um, the U.S. government, as of September, one third of their cyber related jobs were unfilled. One third. And um, so there are plenty of hiring opportunities for you all in the cyber field, whether you're technical or non-technical and have a policy or a project management approach. You need, we, we need to talk more, Chris. We gotta, get these people into, <laughs> we gotta get these people into those jobs. Right, our country there's, needs you, literally. Oh man, there's so many literally. people out here. I was literally, I was on a call earlier this morning. Um, I've been doing, this is my third live for today. <laughs> for this wow. One, I was a guest though, I was on a panel. And we talked about um, so many people out here who have the degrees, who are, uh, you know, they have degrees, they're qualified and looking for opportunities. Mm -hmm. And if a third of these open, uh, you know, these these positions are open, we definitely need to be funneling more people in and getting them the the um, the information that they need so they so they don't feel lost. Because I know for I know I would be totally lost stepping into, you know, looking to get into um, a federal role. Yeah. So knowing where to start, knowing where to start, knowing what to do, you know, so all the information that you provided has been so, so very helpful. And I cannot thank Good. you enough for being here, answering these questions. A um, couple comments, Alex, again, awesome job, Chris. Aww. Yes, I agree. Thank you, sir. <laughs> and that was, well, you know, Go ahead. Once, once a recruiter, always a recruiter. Um, so and good. I can re recruit with true enthusiasm. I had such a great federal career um, and it's still serving me well. Yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating. So Belroop says, I am on it now. Really good blogs. Thanks, Chris, for providing this information. And I believe Belroop's talking about the Federal Career Connection website. Yeah. Um, excellent. So folks, Federal Connection career. I mean, I'm sorry. Federal Career Connection, FCC, <laughs> Federal Career Connection website. Um, go there now. Do what Balroop is doing. Head over there right yeah. now. Um, thank you so, so much, Chris, for being here with us, for spending your evening with us. Um, My and for pleasure. Sharing such invaluable information. I mean, this was, this was an eye-opener for me. I'm fascinated, like I said different point in my life. <laughs> I might have been signing up myself. Yeah. There's an awful lot you can say about intelligence careers at the unclassified level. I think a lot of people are un feel reluctant to ask. Yeah. I think people are all, we're all nervous. We, it's like watching a movie. We're like, can we, can we ask this? Can, is it okay? You know, <laughs> you're going to just <laughs> shut us down. So Reginald says, thank you both. Uh, Andre, what was the blog again? So it's federalcareerconnection.com. Actually, I'm going to put yes. a link 
in here. Yeah, that's um, the website and our blog is on that website. Yes, let me put it in. I want to put it in through um and Alex LinkedIn. has put so many resources into that blog. He's done most of your work for you, frankly, to pull together the, the best and most useful and current resources on federal hiring. He's amazing. Such an amazing person. Federal Career Connection.com. Yes. Okay. I'm going to pop up any second. Um, Andre says, thank you. And here we go. Federalcareerconnection.com. I will also put this in. Um, I will also add it afterwards. So when I update the link, um, it will okay. have the link. It will have this and I will tag um, the FCC LinkedIn page as well. So if, folks, if you're on, if you're on, um, if you're on YouTube, connect with me on LinkedIn and I will be or follow me on LinkedIn and I will be able to and you'll see the information there too. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much, Chris. Thank you. My again. pleasure. Thank you for being here, folks. Everyone that stayed with us 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern. Thank you so, so much. Um, you're always invaluable. Love the engagement. Great questions. Yeah. Um, and we will see you tomorrow morning for another edition of Breaking into Cybersecurity. Take care, everybody. Bye. Good night. Thank you. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.